Hey, it's Bao, and this is Coffee with Bao. This is a video and audio series where I talk with people who are doing great stuff in music, business, entertainment, pop culture, and more. And specifically, I like to focus on their creative process, their cultural identities, and their personal growth. And uh, this is what, episode nine or 10 or something? So I'm still learning. And if you have feedback for me, hit me up at coffeewithbao.com. That being said, let's go meet our guest. Today I'm hanging out with a fellow singer-songwriter. He's been a professional musician for over three decades, including an 18-year stint with the Las Vegas band Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns, who are awesome, by the way. Recently, you could have seen him singing as the golfer on a Fox TV show called I Can See Your Voice. He's got an incredible new album called Comfortable Shoes. And he is my friend and fellow 2020 debut solo artist, Jamie Hosmer. <sighs> What's up, Bao? Thanks Jamie, for having me. Straight from Las Vegas. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I, I'm really uh, happy that you reached out. I'm really, really uh, excited to, to be on your coffee with Bao. I got my mug, right? Cheers, happy brother. holidays. Thank you. <laughs> I'm such a huge fan and I'm super honored you are spending time with me to share your story, but also like whatever insights you have for folks like me who are big fans of yours and, and want to have an equally productive, long career like yours. So Aww. we're here. Well, that's I'm very stoked. Nice. Very nice. I'm a fan of yours, too. Uh, you're an incredibly creative person. You're one of those people that you just go, I'm going to figure out how to do that. And then you do it. <laughs> I totally am. <laughs> First of all, I want to shout out to Noah Kagan because on Noah's variety YouTube show is where I was introduced to Jamie Hosmer and I was like, right. holy smokes, this guy is so <laughs> talented. He sounds amazing. He can just play whatever he thinks. And I was just like hooked on your stuff. I went and learned about everything about you. And um, so that's you, Jamie Hosmer, right here. Thank you, Bao. And yeah, thanks, Noah, for connecting us. That's cool. Uh, you've been in Vegas since like 2000 or something, and um, that's a really diverse and, and long career that I want to talk about a little later. I know that you like grew up in like the New England area, and I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about your family history in the New Massachusetts, is it? Yeah, Massachusetts, born and raised, and uh, most of my family is still in the New England area. You know, we have a, kind of an interesting line because we're direct descendants of a fellow by the name of Abner Hosmer. Abner Hosmer was, he might have been a drummer boy. I have to ask my dad that. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but he was, the, in the Revolutionary War, the famous shot heard round the world at the Battle of Lexington and Concord. And he was actually one of the first people that was shot and killed in the Revolutionary War. The, and so we're direct yeah, we're direct descendants of Abner Hosmer. Wow, that's so cool. Old school, 1700s. <laughs> yep. That's on my dad's side, of course, the Hosmer name. Uh, my mom's side is Irish. Her grandparents came over from Ireland. So we've got, we've got Irish in our family. And then the Hosmer is kind of a mix. It's, uh, it's English. I think there's maybe some Dutch and maybe some German in there. That's kind of the, the New England history. 
That's so cool to to meet somebody whose family has kind of been in one area for such a long time because、um, a lot of the folks I interview are either immigrants or you know are kind of spread out all over the U.S. I heard that you've been playing piano since seven years old or something. Yeah, you know that's when <laughs> I started. That's when I started piano lessons. It was a、uh, there was pianos in both of my grandparents' houses, and when I was a kid, I would just. Gravitate to the piano. It's the first thing I did. You know,、oh, interesting. I'd,、uh, I'd go down to the basement where there was one piano, and then the other one was in、uh, was in my my other grandparents' living room. And it was the first thing I wanted to do was play the piano. And my parents kind of realized.、Hmm, they're like, boy, he he has a little bit of a knack. He's plucking out some melodies. He's he's kind of making music. And, That's so、um, cool. <laughs> yeah, so they bought a piano for us. So I wanted to start taking lessons, and、uh, so I started at seven. And everybody, I think, in the house started taking lessons. And out of everybody, I was the only one that stuck with it. Right? <laughs> I'm glad and, you did.、Um, yeah, me too. Me too. But that's how this whole crazy thing got started. Them getting getting me a piano, and、um, that was sort of my first training was playing some classical, and then、uh, yeah, that's how I got started. So naturally, as a teenager, you played in some like pop and rock bands and stuff. Yeah. So、ah, when、course. I was thirteen, I was asked to join this band by a friend of my brother's, my oldest brother Tim. His best friend Joe Bronner, who we're we're still in contact with today, he said, "Hey, I've got a band. You you know, we need a keyboard player." So I asked my parents, "Hey, can I join this band?" They were like, "No." Absolutely <laughs> not! You're too young, you know, because they were out playing in bars and all of that. So I was like,、oh, I can't do it. So two years later, when I was 15, he asked me again, and my parents said, "Okay, only on the weekends, right?" That's so, so cool. I I started playing with them. I I couldn't even drive, so Joe had to come pick me up for rehearsals. Really, what I remember was him and the drummer at the time were actually. Going to the Berkeley College of Music in Boston, so they were in college during the week. They'd come back to Western Massachusetts for the weekends to do gigs. So he'd come and pick me up, and he would play me. He'd pop a cassette into the car, and he'd go, "Hey, check this out. This is Chick Corea. This is you know, this is Jeff Berlin. This is、uh, Joe Zawinul. You know, this is Herbie Hancock." And he introduced me to all of these. You know,、yeah. jazz musicians, all these people that I'd never heard about, and he started talking to me about music theory, and so I learned a lot from that first band, and、uh, it was a great experience. You know, so we we started playing on the weekends, and then those guys graduated from college, and they wanted to start going full time. You know, I'm still at that point. I'm like a junior in high school. Yeah. You know, my parents were like, "Man, you you got to keep your grades up." So I barely squeaked by high school. Like <laughs> barely, but I did, and、um, you know, really, right out of high school, it was like hit the road, boom. You know, I was really contemplating trying to get into Berkeley and actually studying. It was either that or just、uh, go on the road, and I just hit the road. So that's the crazy part because it it launched your career, and you've basically been doing almost the same thing since then、uh, yep. for like thirty years, right? Yeah, it is kind of interesting.、Um, when I think back on that, I think I was just destined to go on that path because I don't know. My life could have ended up drastically different if I had gone to music school. I mean, you never really、yeah. know 
how things are going to turn out. You know, you learn so many things just kind of getting thrown into the fire, right? And you learn so many things by doing. Just go and do it. And thankfully, we started out, you know, we we're playing local clubs and then we we're playing real smaller regional things. And then that sort of gradually built into more of a like hotel, hotel circuit where we were playing these sort of dance clubs and mm. it was much more organized where we're all dressing alike and really being a, a, a unit, right? So things kind of gradually kind of built in that direction. But um, so many things I look back on now that I didn't realize the education that I was actually getting. All the yeah, things I was right. learning, just doing, well, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Man, I learned so much without even realizing how much I was learning. Before you actually felt like you had picked up steam as a touring musician, what were some of the early gigs that were just like scraping along as a teenager? So, you know, some of the early gigs were, were local. And my hometown is Springfield, Massachusetts. We had a lot of clubs there. And, you know, at the time, you know, we're talking 1985. There was a good handful of clubs there that were having bands five nights a week. Okay, the first gig I ever did first professional gig was this little lounge called Dewey's Lounge. Coincidentally, where my father was working at the time in Ware, Massachusetts. He's like, I know where that place is. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and it was just this little, small little lounge, you know, not great, not great gigs, you know, <laughs> these were not great gigs, you know, we're staying in like motels and you know, until we, we decided we need some representation. We should get some management. We should kind of up the game. We kind of made a concerted effort to be a better band, a better unit. Right? Yeah. L let's look coordinated. Let's move coordinated. You know, maybe we should change the format of the band a little bit and cater to this and that. That really brought us into some, some better places to play. And we That's got on cool. a, yeah, we got on a circuit where we could travel around and we played a lot of these Marriott hotels. It was a whole circuit back then that you could travel around the country and they give you hotel rooms. And now you're traveling with everything. We had a full PA, we had lights, we had like everything. We basically pull in there and we're there for three weeks. And wow. uh, so they were decent gigs, you know, and um, did that for a number of years, you know, a number of years. What was like the, the one gig that you got where you're like oh i'm kind of like leveling up here this is my my next well, level well i will tell you that out of those hotel gigs that we were doing we got the opportunity to go to europe and be the band on the uh european edition of the dirty dancing tour sweet uh, <laughs> yeah it was pretty cool for us i mean look I i'm at the time i'm like 18 19 years old like, really? We get to go to Europe and, and play in this tour? Like, this is interesting. That's and so cool. uh, we kind of felt like, wow, hey, this is a big deal. You know, for us, it was like a six-week tour, but we got to, you know, we got 10 days in London. We, we played Royal Albert Hall, which was like, wow, this is Royal Albert Hall. This is <laughs> like unbelievable, right? That's awesome. Um, we toured Germany. It was pretty cool. It was pretty cool time. You know, it was like a bus tour, a lot of time on a bus. And uh yeah. But, you know, the reality is we came back and kind of went right back to what we were doing before. And then eventually it was like, you know, maybe it's time we, we got to do something else, right? There's a time where eh, we got to like get off this road thing for a while, mm -hmm. you know, because it, it gets tough. It gets tough. 
So what was that? Like, what was that pivot? Well, let's see. Because Maria, who's now my wife, was actually in the band at the time. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. So somewhere along that path, our band needed a singer. She she was in a band that had like just broke up and we had the same management. So she joined our band. It was like a year. She was in the band for a year. And then we, we, started, uh, we started dating. So there was a point where just the road thing was kind of starting to get starting to get a little old you know like man maybe we should go back go back to massachusetts let's go back east let's let's like figure out the next move like we both needed a break from Uh what we were doing so i went back actually got a job at a sound company they had a music store and a sound company and then that actually led to me going to a producer's house in Connecticut and being his engineer for his demos. This was a gentleman named Paul Lecca. He passed away uh, several years ago. You know, remember that song? Na, 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 na. Yeah, hey, duh. Hey. <laughs> he wrote that song. And uh, that's a whole other story. That He's getting pretty, royalties uh, at every basketball game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He wrote that song. He wrote another another song called Green Tambourine that was the number one song in like 1969. And he discovered yeah. uh he discovered Ario Speedwagon. So I went to his house and I worked for him for a little while as an audio engineer, which was a cool experience, but uh, there was a point where I realized, okay, this is not really what I want to do. I'm a performer. So we decided let's let's get back out performing. Geez, I think we I think we did a gig at Disney World for for a while. We got hired in a band down there, which was really Ooh. fun. It was actually after that whole gig that we started going, you know what? We should move to Vegas. We had made some friends out there, and that kind of started the thing. Hey, let's call our buddies out in Vegas and see what's going on, you know? And in 2000, it was booming. There, huh. there was entertainment everywhere. The Venetian had just opened. Uh, Mandalay Bay had just opened. They had bands going all the time. So really, we were able to move out here and kind of assimilate into the scene fairly quickly. That's great. Since then, you've done a really high-profile gigs at a, a bunch of really huge casino resorts. You had the, the 80s rock tour. Was that the one that was through Europe? The 80s rock tour, no, is a more a recent thing. So the 80s rock tour, uh, I got a call from John Payne one day. John Payne sang in the band Asia for many, many years. He replaced the original lead singer when he had some health issues. And John Payne was in the band for like 15 years. And so he's he's really always kept things going. So he called me, he was putting together this concert where it was going to be one band playing for a bunch of classic rock singers. Yeah. So that really ended up being what the 80s rock tour is. Uh, that thing was so cool because we'd come out, we'd do some Asia tunes, and then like Lou Graham, the original voice of Foreigner, would come out and we'd do some Foreigner tunes. Mickey Thomas from Starship would come out or Fee Waybill from The Tubes. And man, we'd get to play all these great tunes with the original singers. So it's a blast. That's so cool. Yeah, that's huge. I wanted to call that out because there, there's a little bit in your album of some of those really great classic artists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that's cool. Uh, and then the you did a pretty long-term project with Michael Cavanaugh, who was at your um, album release, which is super yeah. cool. Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns, been doing yep. that for almost two decades. And yeah. I watched some videos. 
so good so tight it's crazy santa fe is uh, really such an honor for me to be in that group you know jerry lopez the leader of that of that band and myself have been friends and and colleagues since about 2001 and we've been working together ever since that and uh so yeah a few years later he had this he had the band santa fe and he's like jamie i want you to join the band so yeah yeah it's probably been 15 15 years or so i can't wait to see y'all live when oh, we can man. do that again because like yep. you guys are just so tight and so pro he's <laughs> like we, super inspiring we it, it's like the most fun we all have playing music together you know and live streams is all we can do you know yeah but we really miss having a live audience because we really feed off of each other for sure so before covid uh, you had a short-lived project called The Windjammers, and um, yes. that was cut short by the pandemic. Can you yep. talk about what your vision was for that yeah. and um, what yeah. you guys have had to do because of COVID? <laughs> so Windjammers is a Yacht Rock band. Yacht Rock. Yes, uh, so hot right for, now. Right. For those of you who don't know what Yacht Rock is, it's it's all that, that sort of soft rock music from the 70s uh kenny loggins christopher cross michael mcdonald it's just all those great tunes so we decided let's put together a yacht rock band because it's all the music we love and um the truth is we got a gig before we had actually rehearsed anything <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> the the guitar player in the band had talked to the entertainment director at red rock and said hey we're thinking of doing this and the woman was, and he said, here's who's going to be in the band. And she said, wow, that sounds amazing. She said, I tell you what, it ended up, she gave us like a, a year's worth of Thursday. She's like, I'll give you Thursday night. Crazy. So we put this band together and had such a blast putting the whole show together. Started doing it every Thursday night and uh, middle of March, boom. Nothing. Yeah. So the, the plan was was like let's put this together we can go out and make some decent money and go do some short cruises and then do some corporate events yeah um, that was the original thing and then this gig at red rock came up which was fantastic but that was still really what we were eyeing as it and turns so, out cruise ships are like the worst place to do anything during a pandemic yeah exactly <laughs> so we're just kind of keeping an eye on everything now. We're probably going to do some rehearsing in January just to kind of keep everything everything fresh and maybe we'll start maybe we'll start doing some live streaming as well, you know. Cool. Yeah. So also along the lines of treating COVID as a co opportunity, um mm -hmm. I think you took that opportunity to work on your own solo album. I did. Dude, I it's did. so good. Um I want to know Thanks, Bob what your personal goal for finally putting out a personal record and what musically your goal was uh, trying to convey. Yeah. Uh, th so when the pandemic hit, I started doing a lot of these live stream performances right from here, from the studio. And, uh, you know, more people started to ask because uh, I would play some original songs and um, people started asking, man, you should really release this stuff. You should really do a CD. And finally... I realized, you know, if I'm ever going to do one, now's the time to do it. We're all here at home. We don't have gigs to go to. So I said, okay, I'll do it. It's a good idea. Let, let's go for it. You know, I had a decent amount of original songs that I hadn't really recorded yet. And I had some songs 
that I had that I had kind of tried to get for some licensing, you know, try to get in TV, try to get in movies. Mm -hmm. Nothing had really panned out yet in that area, but I thought the songs were good. I decided I want to give this album a bit of a vintage feel. I want it. I want to harken back a little bit to the era that I grew up in, um, yeah. late seventies, early eighties. That way, the album kind of has a bit of an identity because the album needed to represent me, right? So the the process that I took was give me a a click, give me a piano sound, and give me a mic, and I'm gonna do a, a scratch vocal, scratch piano track. And I, and I did that for any of the songs that I didn't already have, you know, uh -huh. uh, the other ones I started from scratch. And once I felt like, you know, the tempo was good, I've got, I've got a good workable vocal, scratch vocal, and a piano track, then I just started building everything from there. You know, started reaching out to some buddies. Hey, I, I need some, yeah. I need some guitar on this. I'd love some horns on this. Could you do a, a horn arrangement? And uh, I did go into the studio for for that one song that has real a real string quartet on it. Wow, um, cool! But everything else was basically done here and remotely with some other people. So you know, I'd say my goal with the album was you know I figure ah, if I could sell 500 CDs that'd be good, and then I'll put it out for streaming on Spotify, and I'll do that, and I'll. You know, the other thing I started to do was learn, let me get a course on on how this Facebook ad thing works, you know? Yeah. Uh, how do you really market yourself on Facebook um, the right way? That whole process has kind of been ongoing. So that's kind of how this whole thing started, you know? Super cool. And it's allowed you to kind of grow your skill sets a little bit more during this time. So I'm right. going to show an image of your album cover. Cool. Jamie Hosmer's Ooh. album, Comfortable Shoes, is awesome. Y'all should listen to it. It's um, got some late 70s, early 80s vibes for sure, taken from songs that Jamie's, you know, been influenced by throughout his life and career. The guest musicians and the horns are like mind-blowing. Again, Jamie hangs out with like top-tier folks. <laughs> <laughs> so what I love is Jamie's voice is perfect. It's like the best part of Hall & Oates, Daryl Hall, Peter Cetera from Chicago. And, oh, wow. you know, at the most soulful points, it's got some like young Jackson Brown in it, which I'm like, damn, oh. Jamie, what's up? Wow. You can find Thank Jamie you. and probably get a signed copy of his CD at mm -hmm. jamiehosmer.com. That's J-A-M-I-E-H-O-S-M-E-R.com. Let's take a little break. Hey, friends. Not sure if you know this, but I serve on the board of a nonprofit called the Slants Foundation. We're a volunteer-driven organization that provides resources, scholarships, and mentorship to Asian-American creatives looking to incorporate activism into their art. We also produce events that feature these talented creators. Our last virtual concert helped over 500 people register to vote for the very first time. You can learn about and support the Slants Foundation by visiting theslants.org. Thanks, and see you soon. Let's get back to the show. Dude, your album's so good. <laughs> Thank you, Bao. I appreciate that. That means a lot coming from you. I, There's I really, um, uh, you know, as a fellow songwriter, you know how it is when you've when you've created something and then it comes time to put it out. There's always, for me, like when I was finally finished with this, I was like, oh, now I got to release it to the world, <laughs> yeah. right? And there's like this apprehension, you know, are people going to like it? What, what is it, Right. 
It's like a weird thing. Yeah, absolutely. I feel you. The way that you describe your goal musically for it really comes through in that, you know, I listen to it and I'm like, I know this is a new record, but it really has the vibe of some of this era that is magical to a lot of people. Track one definitely has some Christopher Cross vibes in there. Uh, a lot of the vocals have a hollow notes vibe. I'm super yep. into. Yep. Yeah. And I definitely, you know, Steely Dan is one of my favorite all time bands. The title track, I definitely kind of wanted to harken back to that as well. So, uh, yeah, super cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just named some of my favorite singers of all time Daryl Hall and Christopher Cross and Jackson Brown. Yeah. That's, that's the <laughs> soundtrack of my childhood right there. That's so cool because I, you know, I didn't find Jackson Brown anywhere when I was reading up on you and your career or anything. I just felt like it's got some Jackson Brown vibes. And, you know, that was my original uh, interpretation of your sound. And uh, wow, that's cool. It's pretty cool that it, it was something that you were influenced by. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's funny, Christopher Cross sat in with Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. He did a night with us where he came up and did like four or five of his tunes. So and, cool. Um, that for us it was all amazing because uh those that's the stuff we grew up with. Yeah, that must feel really good. Uh I'm curious if you had been writing original stuff like the whole time since your early days. I've always written. In my younger days, I, I would say I probably didn't write enough back then, but I've always written songs, you know, throughout the last maybe five or six years. Some of the songs on the on the album kind of took shape. Some of them were very different when I when I wrote them. There's a song on there called This Love Is Like Water. And I re wrote that song and recorded it in a very different way the first time. It was uh, more heavy, almost like an Imagine Dragons kind of thing. But I always liked it. I always thought it was a pretty good song. So when it came time to do it on the record, I was like, no, I got to do this. I got to do this old school. Old school acoustic guitar, you know, just kind of dry drum sound. And then, you know, Michael Cavanaugh did the great electric guitars on there. So... Thankfully, I had I had the songs, you know, I'm like, all right, I've got this song, that song, I could put this one on. And then I did the one cover, the Time After Time. It's one of my all-time favorites. Yeah, so. super good. Um, I had the same experience in that a lot of the songs already existed on my record. And okay. um, I had to kind of redo them in a style where it was cohesive and, and sounded like my current state of being, you know. Right. Um, so I totally right. feel you. You know, because that's an interesting thing with... You know, I like so many different styles of music and it's hard to sort of narrow it down to like, well, I'm just going to do this. Yeah, <laughs> it's, a it's a decision that you have to make, right? That I'm going to do this album, it's going to be this style. I mean, you could have like five or six different styles, but it would be it would be tough for the person listening to the whole album. Yeah, you know? I agree. So cool. The album's really great. It gave you a chance, though, to kind of, like I said earlier, expand your skill sets during this time since you you're not playing live on stage in front of people anymore. Yeah. And you've been going on like this live streaming rampage, which I'm like <laughs> extremely impressed by the, not only the quality of the performance, but like the production value and stuff. And, you know, for somebody who's been in the industry kind of doing the same thing for 30 years to then go and grow more in this direction is like super impressive. And just, Thanks, I just want to give you props for that. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, when there's a couple of reasons. One was that, I really felt people needed some music. People needed to be entertained, right? People needed something instead of 
watching TV or whatever. People needed some kind of interaction with other people. Yeah. Number two, I realized if this thing stretches on, like I need to sing, I need to play, I need to keep my voice in <laughs> yeah. shape. You know, I, I got to sing, I got to do something. So live streaming, it forced me to keep my voice in shape. And I can say that what I did not want to do was I didn't just want to take my iPhone and set it up over here and hit live. Yeah. I, I didn't want to do that. I'm like, I want the sound of my studio. I want the sound of me singing into this mic the way it sounds like this. So I had to figure out how to do that. A another thing is I've got the geek in me, right? I've got the nerd <laughs> in me. You probably do too. You're like, I got to figure this out. So the process of trying to figure that out, how do I stream live like that? How do I get the audio into this software? Yeah. And uh, it's a still evolving process, you know, and uh, my buddy, Michael Cavanaugh is still doing the live streaming thing twice a week. We talk about it all the time. He's like, well, I, I, I'm trying this camera now and I'm, I bought this switcher to do this and my lighting's a little different now. And this, these are things that we've had to learn how to do because with no gigs, the only way we can market ourselves is YouTube, live streaming, you know, Facebook, Instagram. And it's kind of something we literally have to do these days. So yeah, it's been cool for me to learn this new skill set as, as well. And your streams are looking really great. Are there other technical or, or like personal skills that you're taking the opportunity to level up on at this point in the quarantine? Yeah. Well, I would say marketing is at the forefront of my brain right now because um, the whole posting to Instagram and Facebook and stories and all that isn't something that comes natural to me at all. Yeah. You know, the younger generation is just, it's, it's part of their daily lives. They grew up with it. For me, I have to literally make a concerted effort. Like this is part of what I need to do now to keep myself out there. So that's something that I'm continually learning. I mentioned the Facebook marketing. I took an online course that really was very in-depth. So I'm continuing to try to integrate that as well as uh, writing more songs, right? I mean, let's not forget that yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, you know, music is what we do and we've got to keep the actual songs and musical content moving forward. Yeah, juggling all that has been tricky but fun for me as well. Right. It's a, it's a tough balancing act to kind of figure out, you know, it's like, wait a minute. I thought we were, we wanted to be musicians and, and singers and now we kind of have to be marketers too. Yeah, totally. So in terms of like diversifying what you're doing right now, <laughs> you had an opportunity recently to go on a Fox television show called I Can See Your Voice. Yeah. Your, your character was the golfer and I want to show the graphic because they Do made it. you look like such a nerd <laughs> with your polo shirt <laughs> and you can't see it, yep. but Jamie is wearing golf shoes in this outfit. That's and right. um, the show basically is about the contestant is supposed to guess out of like the half a dozen people who's actually a, a real singer and a great singer. Right. And when you came up to play and sing, like, <laughs> all the judges were like, ah, <laughs> It was so much fun. And you know, it's another thing that I probably never would have done had we not been in this situation. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I, I literally saw an ad on Instagram that said, looking for singers for this new TV show. And I figured, well, geez, I, 
I don't have anything to lose. I should submit for that. <laughs> yes. The next thing I know, I'm getting a call and, you know, I'm in L.A. doing this thing. So it was, uh, yeah, for me, it was one of the positive things, you know, that has come out of this whole thing. And what's funny is they made you even look like not, you know, a music guy. But um, you've told me a story as previously <laughs> about just touring with the oh, rest yeah. of the band and never coming off as the music guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, I pretty much have a pretty regular look, right? Whereas, you know, there's a lot of musicians that walk around in their everyday lives and you go, that guy's a musician, right? <laughs> or that, that guy's, if I'm on the road with one of the various, you know, bands that I'm with and we're at, a, we're at an airport, you know, the drummer standing over there, somebody goes, you're in a band, aren't you? You know, and the guitar player you're, are you the guitar player? You guys are in a band, right? And they start chatting or whatever. And I could be standing right here and the conversation comes around to me. Oh, you're in the band too? <laughs> you know, it's always like that, right? Because I'm just, you know, I'm dressed like this or I'm dressed normal. So when the show thing happened, I was like, yeah, th they're not going to see me as a singer. You know, I mean, I was not surprised at all that I was the first one that they guessed. He's not a singer. Golfer can't sing. <laughs> You know, that's really great. And, you know, that saying about you miss 100 percent of the shots you don't take. And, mm -hmm. you know, this story of you kind of just the replying to that Instagram ad is definitely one of those anecdotes. Right. Where, you know, yeah. it's true. It's true. Um, all right. I'll tell you one other story that's kind of like that, that that to be honest with you to this day, I still am surprised I said yes to. <laughs> yes. Um, I was sitting right here. I think I was working on some music for something and the phone rang. It was a, it was a friend of mine. It was um, Joey Finger, who was a drummer for, um, at the time, Donnie and Marie, the show here at nice. the Flamingo. He says, Jamie, it's Joey. He says, listen, Donnie is out. He got injured or something. He's out for the next couple of weeks. Why don't you come down to the show tonight and sing a few songs with Marie? Whoa. And I'm like, wait, tonight? Right now? Tonight, the what? top spot. What am I going to sing? He's like, look, they need somebody to sing. Just put your suit on, get in the car. I'll, you know, they're going to start sending you the songs. Come on, what do you think? And I'm thinking, wait a minute, this could go horribly wrong, right? Or <laughs> yeah. it could be great, right? Yeah. It could be great. So for some reason, I was like, okay, I'm on my way, <laughs> right? So I like get my suit on. I'm like, Maria, um, I'm heading down to sing some songs at Marie with Marie Osmond tonight. She's like, what? I'm That's like, awesome. I got to go. So I'm driving and I'm calling Joey. I'm like, Joey, I got nothing. No one's sending me anything. So I get there, you know, I go and I, and I meet Marie and Marie's like, okay, so did you get the music yet? I'm like, no, I have no idea what I'm singing. She's like, <laughs> come on guys. She's yelling at people. And finally I get these songs. I had to learn like three tunes right there. She's like, come out, you can have the lyrics and blah, 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 blah. And I, I went on and I sang three songs that night with her. That's and, so uh, cool. It was a cool experience, you know, but I could have very easily said no. There's yeah. no way I'm coming down right now. But it ended up being a cool experience. That's funny because I, I had written down a question for you about your outlook on jumping into opportunities that you're not fully ready for. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great question because it's kind of multifaceted because you could, you could fall flat on your face. It's possible, right? Mm -hmm. 
So I think that there's a, a gut instinct that you have to listen to. If you're really not ready for something, you it can could let some have people down, right? Uh, bad long-term results. Yeah. Either literally for your career or just your psyche. If you really fall flat on your face, because man, this mm. this was, I was not ready for this. Um, <laughs> this thing was just out of my league. I, I wasn't, or, or maybe I just wasn't prepared, right? But a lot of these things like this, you don't really know what you're getting yourself into sometimes. Your gut sometimes is a good gauge. And I know it's easy to say, no, I'm not ready for that. Nope, nope, nope. When, you know, maybe you are. Maybe you should take a chance. I mean, that's what my song Comfortable Shoes is kind of all about. It's about taking chances, but it's a fine line, I think. I heard on a different podcast that you were on that during this time, you've something that's helped you is some royalties that you've earned from doing a bunch of infomercial music. And yeah. I've been hanging out with a lot of young <clears throat> musicians recently in the Asian American community. And I've been talking about diversifying your work, but also like remember that royalties keep coming after the streams or after the concerts are over. And uh, I wanted to ask you about like that side hustle and whether or not that was something you deliberately thought about as an ongoing source of income. It was uh, something that totally kind of fell in our laps. So Jerry Lopez, the, the band leader, Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns, he was on tour with Ricky Martin back mm -hmm. in his uh, La Vida Loca tour. Through that experience, he met somebody and it led to us starting to compose this custom music for infomercials. It's probably been, geez, 10, 15 years that we've started doing it. It's been an amazing thing for us because we get paid royalties. So every six months we get paid from all of the infomercials that have played that we've yeah. worked on. So yeah, I mean, thanks to that, it's kind of kept me afloat. I definitely would have had to figure something else out if I didn't have that coming in. So I think it is important to diversify. And for, the other thing is doing that infomercial projects, doing all these projects, it's what really taught me how to mix records. So I consider myself incredibly fortunate to have that opportunity to learn. So I got literally got to the point where I'm like, well, I'm going to mix my own record where I would have never been able to say that probably even five years ago, definitely not 10 years ago. Yeah, that's so cool, man. Aside from being like personable and extremely talented, I think that diversification of your, your skill set and your um, revenue streams has been, you know, key to your success and your longevity throughout 30 something years. I want to kind of wrap the conversation to see if you have any advice for like young musicians and young professionals like myself, well, I'm, I don't know how young I am, but <laughs> younger <laughs> I think you're younger uh, professionals <laughs> to who strive to have longevity in the industry and kind of mm -hmm. diversify. Like, can you give advice about diversification? There's so many facets to the music business. And I think it's up to each individual to decide what they want to do. I'm not a superstar, so I can't give you advice on how to become a superstar, mm, right? Yeah. But- what I can say is, what I have done is I've forged a career in music. I've been doing it my entire life. So I will say the key to my success in that regard is A, be open to new opportunities, be ready, and also try to do more than one thing. So for me, being able to do a lot of different things, I, I can play some guitar, I play keys, I sing, 
and then but now, now the you can engineer thing, and mix as well and right and now and i can engineer and mix as well which is an, another whole skill set right yeah totally. um and the other thing that uh, a lot of times people don't think about is be easy to get along with be a, a nice person um, <laughs> that's so good <laughs> do you know what i mean and do more than what's expected of you you know those are the basic things that if you got hired to do any other job whatever it is you've got to show up on time you've got to do your job and you've got to be nice and you got to be easy to get along with yes those that's things awesome. i can't i can't even i cannot exaggerate how far those things alone go in getting <laughs> gigs after gigs can we summarize that into the term professionalism is, is that a is that the right word for it absolutely it's a perfect word for it awesome perfect yeah i think that's great advice just practice develop sense of professionalism and mm -hmm. the opportunities kind of come in as they do yes <clears throat> yes jamie hosmer thank you so much for spending time with me you're like super cool and <laughs> forgive me well, as but are you bow you, as you're are you. so talented i just like it blows my mind that i'm like able to be in the presence of such people you know with through these conversations and hear their like life stories their human stories um right. so i really appreciate you just like being able to talk about that stuff with me and whoever's watching or listening wow thanks for having me on i really appreciate it thank you jamie's new album uh jamie hang on i'm gonna give a little outro and then i'll come back and like say a for real goodbye to you thank okay. you Jamie's album is called Comfortable Shoes. It's streaming and on CD, and he's selling signed CDs. I don't have a CD player, so I went and bought it on Bandcamp. Uh, and you can do that too, because streaming does not yield nearly as much of a revenue for the artist. So go to Bandcamp, buy Jamie's record. It's super good. You can find Jamie at jamiehosmer.com. And if you enjoyed this conversation, I'd really love if you can give me feedback or if you can support the show, go hit me up at coffeewithbow.com. Thank you so much. We'll see you next time. You want to see our beautiful mugs while we chat? Coffee with Bao is also available in video. Just search for it on YouTube and hit the subscribe button.